Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Alex Barcenas. Thank you, Pastor Chelsea. I am continue, continuing our theme for the year, which is Family Army. Last year, Pastor Chelsea talked about what it means to be a family of believers. You know, we, we see in scriptures to say, uh, let's do good to all, but especially to those who are in the family of God. And as a family, many of you know, you're old enough now to realize that even in your natural families, there's not always peace and unity. So when things occur, when things arise, where there's disunity, where there's perhaps a little bit of um, offense have, have occurred, we need to work together in, in bringing that unity back because God blesses and honors unity and he has many many great things for us to do but it's hard to achieve if we're divided it's hard to achieve if we're not in unison with one another as a family so the second part to the theme family army this morning I'm going to be speaking on army what it means to be an army of God because whether you know it or not you're actually enlisted in the army of God It's kind of like if you're Singaporean, if you're Korean, if you're Israelite, if you're born into that country, you are automatically subscribed or perhaps enlisted into the armed forces. So I've been to Israel and walking around during the summer, it's kind of funny, you see these primary school groups and usually loitering at the back is some young teenager just fresh out of high school in his shorts, singlet and an M16, just carrying his rifle around for protection. But everyone needs to be part of the army. If you have been born of God, yes, you're part of the family of God. You're a seed of Abraham. But guess what? You're a soldier too. So let's, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the word that you've prepared ahead of time. God, I pray that you would come like a thundering voice, like that water bottle, Lord. And let, let transformation occur. Let power be delivered in your word. Thank you, Jesus. In your awesome name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. 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 So I've just got a picture to show you guys. I've actually come from a military family. My dad, he, you can see there. Many think uh, we're twins. But um, dad was in the army. He, he was a private in the Philippines army, fought in the guerrilla wars. And, um, you know, we, we lived on an army base back in Manila. In fact, I went back to Manila, to the Philippines for the first time in 29 years since migrating here to Australia, just September last year, and that military base is still around. So part of my upbringing was actually within the military army, and and, uh, Dad very much still lives that lifestyle. He he can rough it out really, really tough. Sometimes I just see him eating sardines and and rice. Dad, you you work hard, you've got all this money. He goes, I'm good, I'm good. So I borrowed Dad's army boots as well. I got my green shirt happening too. But love Dad. He he let us uh, play with some of his guns. Not shoot him, but pretend play, as you can see. They're, they're not plastic toys. They're they're actually the real thing. Hopefully, Dad put it on safety during that time as well. My stepdad as well. My stepdad, who some of you may know, passed away. August last year, he was also in the army, a stepdad of 27 years. He was an army officer. He served in the RSL faithfully for 50 years, going to the dawn service. 
And he was the president of the Cheltenham Moorabbin RSL. In fact, we were there yesterday, and I kind of forgot. I'd organized with mum to celebrate my, step, my late stepdad's birthday, which was actually Sunday last week. But because mum had a cruise to go to, we had Michael Bublé to head to as well. We uh, didn't find time to do lunch in between. So we organized for lunch this past Saturday, just yesterday. I actually kind of forgot that we, we'd say we'd go to the RSL and celebrate dad's birthday. I was, I was heading in... Heading to mum's house, I go, oh, I can't wait, Jess, some more Filipino food. I'm, I'm kind of like Raymond from Everybody Loves Raymond, looking forward to Marie's uh, cooking, his mum's own Filipino cooking, because I love Jess with all my heart, but I love my mum's food too. And then she goes, no, no, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And when we arrived, mum said, we're going to the RSL. Ah, like, oh, yes, we are. And so I'm, I'm going to touch on that a little bit later. There's some photos that I've, I've taken, and I can see God just interweaving all these different experiences, my visit to the RSL yesterday as well, to what we're going to hear later this morning. But if you have your Bible, can I get you to turn, please, to Ephesians 6, verse 12 to 17. Ephesians 6, verse 12 to 17. And hello and welcome to some new friends who've come and joined us. We're honored to have you. Some uh, friends that we've known for a while, Raghav and Kara, great to have you with us this morning. The Williamsons as well, great to see you, just right behind them. You guys can meet very soon. But Ephesians 6, verse 12 to 17. For we do not wrestle or war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Everyone say, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith. Hear that, above all, taking the shield of faith. Who knows, it takes faith to walk out this life God has asked us to, to do. To fulfill the call he has on our lives, it takes faith. With which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Who knows, we're not just called to be a defense, we're called to be an offense, we're called to be a weapon in the hand of God. And war, we're in a war. A state of conflict between different countries or different groups. And who knows, especially perhaps if you've been born into uh, a hard situation with broken families, with uh, perhaps even a bit of abuse if you've grown up with, or even if you've been born into a wealthy family, a healthy family unit, it doesn't take long to realize we're at war. There's something warring against us for our peace, for our sanity, for our families, for our God. And we see here in scriptures that it's the devil that's at war. He's not happy that you are walking, breathing. He'll do everything that he can to have you enlisted in his army. Because who knows, the Bible says, if we are friends with the world, we're an enemy of God. He's doing everything that he can to keep you away from God. And that, that verse doesn't mean that we, we can't unfriend the world. We, we need to be wise and, and Yes, let, let's uh, bring as many lost people to Him, 
But being a friend to the world in terms of not giving your lives to Jesus, living in sin, all the things that this world can offer, all the unholy things that God never designed for us to partake of, if we're a friend of the world, we're an enemy of God. But then when we become born again, being a family of believers, being enlisted in his army, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece created ahead of time in Christ Jesus to do the good works prepared for us. So there is good works prepared for you, prepared for me, prepared for the person next to you and behind you and in front of you. We're soldiers enlisted in the army of God, whether we like it or not. Want me to prove it to you? 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 5. Let's read that. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 5. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men. Are you found to be faithful? Are you found to be a faithful person who God can entrust and commit the message of the gospel? Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. Everyone say soldier. Of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You've been enlisted, my friends. And also, if anyone competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So in an army, in war, there's rules of engagement, right? As much as I love the Rambo films and series, we're not called to all be Rambos and go Lone Ranger and take on the forces of darkness ourselves, right? You might have your bow and arrow dipped in gasoline and lit a a flame, but if you're on your own, that's not going to do much. But God will call you. To sometimes take on campaigns on your own. But more often than not, what we see in Scripture is we're an army of God. That we work together as a unit to take on the things that God has called us to, to do. To, the win, to win the broken to Him. To save the lost. So we endure hardship. Those verses said. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because who knows, even when you give your lives to God... It doesn't mean it's a walk in the park. I remember actually that my perspective just began to change. All of a sudden, the the sun was brighter, the sky was bluer, the birds sounded more pretty. This this new kind of veil, this new lens that I had from, from God. But even with all that, there were still troubles. There were still heartaches. There were still trials. But I love it. In James 1, 2, 4, it says this. Is it okay if we get through a little bit of scriptures this morning? We've got quite a few. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may have perfect and complete, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Endure hardship, because that's, one of the ways God will build you into the man or woman of God He's called you to be, to be like Christ Jesus. 
second thing that stood out in, in 2 Timothy, in the, those verses we, we read was, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. In the Greek, the word entangled is, broken, is pronounced as empleko, broken up with en, in, pleko, to weave. So therefore, empleko means to intertwine, to interweave. And the Bible says, don't get entangled with life, that it leaves you intertwined, interweave, practically immobile to do anything useful for the kingdom of heaven. And it could be anything to do with the affairs of this life. It may be a relationship. It may be a business. It may be just your own comfort, your own pleasure, your own entertainment. We, we were at Michael Buble, as I mentioned earlier, last Sunday night. And we, we, we got in early, got, got to our seats. There was this lady right next to us. And within 30 seconds, we realized she was just one of those crazed Michael Buble fans and told us all the concerts she's been to, all the uh, merchandise she's purchased, the plans for a tattoo where she wants to put on herself, which I can't mention <laughs> where on this platform. But there's all, all this crazy stuff about Michael Buble that she idolized him. That's literally her words. And right before the concert started, she told us some heartbreaking things about the father of, of her youngest had passed away. And I, I knew right away, it's not no accident that we're sitting next to her. So I, I asked God, do you want us to speak to her? I know we're at a concert, but there's no accidents in you. I don't want to think that this is a, a segment for, for me, Lord, and, and don't touch this. This is our personal entertainment life. Don't, don't, go, don't go there. It's going to be awkward. But I, I sense the Lord say, enjoy the concert. And then you'll get a chance to chat with her afterwards. And so we did. We enjoyed the concert. Just got a handshake with Michael Bublé at the front. Our, our, our friend was at the very front. And uh, who knows, when you pay for, for seats like that, if you're standing at the very front, you really annoy the people behind you sitting down. She didn't care less. She, just, she stayed there. And he, she got her groove on with Michael Bublé. But at the end, she told us more of her story. That it, it was only two weeks prior to that night was when was her last attempt on taking her life. Eleven times over the years, her husband or previous partner to her youngest took his own life as well. So suicide has run, run rampant. And we said to her, it's no accident we sat next to each other. We're actually pastors of a church. And God wants you. So we were ushered out of the stadium, as ushers do, at the tram stop, just before the tram stop, we talked more about the gospel, about sin, about repentance, about the good news, about life and life more abundantly. And she gave her heart to the Lord. <laughs> Praise Jesus. We're in, we're in contact on Instagram. We want to see her plugged in. She lives on the other side of town. We want to see her find life in a body of believers, in a family of believers, and like a good army. We want to see her loved, strengthened, protected, and then when the time's right, to be sent out into the service of God. So in an army, we see there's order and unity. We see there's order and unity. But before we get there, let, let, let me just read one, one more bit of scripture as well. What it means to be a good soldier, what it means to be an approved worker of God. 2 Timothy verse 2 
14 to 16. 2 Timothy, verse 2, 14 to 16. As you turn there, I also caught up with one of our business guys this, um, this Friday, actually. This attitude of a, of a faithful soldier. Because who knows when you're a soldier in the army, you, you just say, if you need me to go, I'll go. And this, this businessman, he told me, I, I've just said to God, I'm, I want to give you all my money. Whatever you want, Lord. I'll, I'll be a missionary. I'll, I'll, I'll drop it all. I'll give it all to you. But more and more, God said, I've called you to business for this season. This is a good soldier. This is a faithful man of God who's not so caught up in the affairs of this life, who's not entangled in his wealth, but caught up and entangled for the plans and purposes of God. So 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 16. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord to not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane, profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. It's not about talk. Verse 19, nevertheless, the solar foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. In the NIV it says this, verse 19, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. If you want to be approved worker of God of heaven, turn away from wickedness. Let's continue reading verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Everyone say, every good work. Flee also youthful lust. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Who knows that the devil has got many people in this world captive. We're called to bring them free from the, from the strongholds of the devil, to bring them to a knowledge of God's truth and goodness, to a place like this, to encounter our living God. Perhaps in your business, in your boardroom, at your work site, in the kitchen, in the classroom, wherever you would encounter people, on the streets, at a concert, we're called to set the captives free. We're entrusted with the good work as soldiers who are living pure and holy. So in an army, there's order and unity. You know, order actually brings peace. Some might think of order 
perhaps as a bit of a control thing. It's not. I mean, there's, I know there's cases where people can abuse order and, and, and lord it over people. But I think in a healthy environment, in a healthy army, it's not a loose gathering. It's not loose direction and commands. There's actually an order set up, an ordinance by God that he would have his plans fulfilled through different leaders, through people who watch over us. Because in Hebrews 13, 17, it says this, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. You know, I applied this scripture not just in the church world to obey and and submit and honor my leaders, but in my previous life, in my corporate world, and the, the impact and the effect that it had in, in working well with my, my bosses, with my team, and, and, and seeing things just, just grow and, and seeing the success from that, I was, recent, I was uh, invited back to speak to my previous boss's new team, actually. She moved on to a new organization, and she asked me to speak to her group because she can trust me. And she asked at that retreat, what made you trust me so much? Because I'd asked you guys to do quite a lot of new things and you weren't sure if those strategies would work. I know you've all come with your experiences and backgrounds, but what made you trust me so early from the get-go as your leader? And I said, well, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Hebrews 13, 17? <laughs> I actually said something along those lines. Well, I'm a man of God. And, and Hannah, you know, I believe in scriptures. And as a, as a believer, it actually tells me to honor and submit to my leaders, even if I don't understand, even if I can't see the outcome, even if perhaps I, I, I question or doubt the strategy. But nevertheless, you've been assigned by God. So we, we pressed on, we, we, we did as we were told, and we saw great results. The qualities of a good soldier... Include reliability, fearlessness, discipline, consistency, courage, motivation and skill, honor, sacrifice, and gallantry. You know, my, my dad, who you saw up on the screen, I asked him for some, uh, some army stories to help me with this message. And I go, what, what was training like for you? And he said, it was quite tough. They trained in, in, the, in the rains, in, in the thick of mud. They were trained through, by the Marines. There's a platform from, the, from the, uh, the Marines, but in fact, on, a, on another level of harshness and, and hazing, where they would often beat them up and, and do just crazy wild things to them. I asked, what, what was the point of that? And Dad said, you were taught how to follow instruction. Because out in the battlefield, and similar, I also caught up with uh, Justin Carruth, who was a full-time army man for the Australian army. He said, when you go into battle and you're disunified, if you're not careful, you might end up dead. And Dad said to me as well, we go in trained for victory, but we also go in trained to die. What are the words of Jesus? That we are to die to ourselves, to die to our flesh, 
to die to our own wills, our own thinking, what, what, is, what is your plan for me, God? I'll do it my own way, the, the way that I think will work. So God entrusts us with leaders. And yes, if there's abuse or mishandling of authority, yes, of course, of course. Don't, don't go against the Word of God and sin if they ask you to do things like that. But sometimes it just takes the obedience of a good soldier to see the outcome. Even if we don't understand, the leaders we raise, we want to raise are holy, hungry, and humble. Pastor Dan asked me stuff many different times that I don't understand. But I know I'm a man under authority. Who knows that centurion, when he spoke with Jesus to seek that healing for his boy, all he said to him was, you don't need to come and visit, just say the word and he will be healed. Because I'm a man under authority, I'll tell this person to do this and do that, they will do it. So there is a power unlocked when we are honorable, when we submit to those who God has entrusted us to lead. And don't worry if, uh, if you think that perhaps that it's, it's maybe has gone awry or, or whatnot. God's called us to be faithful. And the leaders, He's actually said, they're there to look after us. And they will have to give an account. So let's do our part as soldiers to, to be honorable, to submit. I think sometimes in the Western world, that's a bit of a dirty word. To submit. But when you're in war, when you're engaged in warfare, you understand the importance of submitting, of, of honoring, of, of listening to your leaders. Because this is what the effects are. That we get to take on battles that seem impossible. That when David took on Goliath, although he was outmuscled in the natural he knew his Lord. He was faithful to his Lord. He didn't overstep Saul's boundaries. Saul said, who are you? You're just a little boy. But David said, I'm, I'm, I've been trained. I've been fighting. I've taken on lions and bears. And so he knew in the natural, in his own strength, he couldn't take on Goliath, this soaring giant. But in the Lord is where the victory is at. And so we fight not for the victory, but from victory. The Lord has already said it before time. And who knows, David won that battle. And many, many more battles afterwards that he set the example for his mighty men. There was about 30 odd men that the scriptures talk about as David's mighty men. And some of them actually started out in the cave of Abdullam, where there were 400 people who were depressed, in debt and discontent. But over the years, as they followed David, David's example, here are their accounts. In 2 Samuel 23, Joseph Bashebeth, who killed 800 men in one battle with a spear. Eliezer, who stayed on the battlefield when other warriors fled and killed Philistines until his hand was stuck, clenched around his sword. Abishai, the leader of the mighty men who killed 300 men with a spear. Benaiah was known for going into a pit on a snowy day and killing a lion and for killing a powerful Egyptian man. 
with a man's own spear. He stole from him. But these are examples of exploits of brave and mighty warriors, though they were outnumbered, though they were outmuscled. Because who knows, the Bible says, those who know their Lord or their God shall do great and mighty exploits. So don't be intimidated if God asks you to take on something impossible. It very may well be. That's the reason why He's asked you to do it. If you can do something in your own strength, guess who gets the glory? If you can do something that's completely out of your depth, out of your comfort zone, who gets the glory? It's Jesus. Jesus gets the glory. And you know, at the, uh, with the examples of, of these mighty men, we see they demonstrated three things. Great faith, total commitment, no plan B, and unity. David's mighty men supported their chosen leader, and the common goal of unifying the nation. It was two kingdoms. They brought together as one. These mighty men. At the RSL yesterday, got some photos to share. I just took some uh, pictures of what, what I noticed kind of stood out in relation to uh, the message today. Join together, train together, embark together, fight together. Enlist, oh yep, just, just one back again. Enlist in a sportsman's thousand. Show the enemy what Australian sporting men can do. I show the enemy what faithful men and women of God can do. Next picture, please. Enlist now. Next picture, please. A call from the dandelions. Cooey. Won't you come? <laughs> you can tell this is marketing for back in the day. And ne next picture, please. Youth, the foundation for the future. Junior Red Cross for service to others. I think similar to war, when heading into war for battle, the Australian Army realized the importance of recruitment. And so God sees where you're at. He's seen perhaps the yes that you've given him before in the past, but perhaps you've become entangled in the cares of this life. He sees that you're perhaps quite new to this thing. And you haven't realized until today that you're actually enlisted to be part of the army of heaven. And he just wants your commitment. There's this story that's probably not well known compared to Gallipoli or Kokoda. And I saw this at the RSL yesterday, and I'll read it out to you. It's the Battle of Long Tan. Who's heard of the Battle of Long Tan? Very good. Let me read this out. Late afternoon, August 18, 1966, South Vietnam. For three and a half hours, in the pouring monsoon rain, amid the mud and shattered trees of a rubber plantation called Long Tan, Major Harry Smith and his dispersed company of 108 young and mostly inexperienced Australian and New Zealand soldiers, 108 young and inexperienced Australian and New Zealand soldiers are fighting for their lives, holding off an overwhelming enemy force of 2,500 
battle-hardened Viet Cong and North Vietnamese soldiers. They were outnumbered 20 to 1. With their ammunition running out, the casualties mourning, and the enemy massing for a final assault, each man begins to search for his own answer and the strength to triumph over an uncertain future with honour, decency, and courage. The end of that story goes, the cavalry came. Artillery were firing five kilometres from, from behind. Gunshells going off half a footy field away. But then the cavalry came. The next day, they, they went out into the battlefield and, and saw, it, it's, it's never nice, but saw the, the aftermath. But these 108 young, inexperienced soldiers took on 2,500. There's a story there for us to learn. A lesson for us to take on as men and women of faith that God will sometimes call us to do the impossible. And you know, much like the army, when you take on feats of bravery, I've got another picture to show you. You're rewarded with medals, right? With different accolades, with praise, with recognition. If the team have got that picture up, that would be great. Yes, medals. Commander of the Order of the British Empire, the top right, for distinguished work in an individual's respective field. Military cross, the one underneath that, for gallantry during active operations against the enemy. And probably the most prized and perhaps well-known in the top left corner, the Victoria Cross for extreme gallantry in the presence of the enemy. It says this in the Bible, For the Son of Man will come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will repay each one according to, according to what He has done. He will repay each one according to what He has done. Romans 2.6 says this, God will repay each one according to his deeds. You know, there's a great cloud of witnesses watching what we do here in this short space of time compared to eternity, which runs forever and ever and ever. And yes, I know it gets tough at times, but the Bible says, for momentary are our afflictions and light. It compares it as being light afflictions. Because they work for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. If you get a chance, we saw in house fires this uh, past Thursday at Mike and Liz's house fire, a testimony of Jesse Duplantis being caught up into heaven. And the glory that was around God and what we actually get to be part of. And all the things of this earth just seem so minuscule. The perspective of God from watching that video it is true when the Bible says, for momentary and light are afflictions, for they work for us a far greater, exceeding, and eternal weight of glory. That it's no surprise to God that He says that persecution will come. When He promised that, that He promised that you'll have an abundant life, but persecution will come also. But God is a good rewarder. 
Check out these scriptures in Revelations. To the one who is victorious, I will grant the right to eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. To the one who is victorious, I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I have overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. Who's looking forward to one day stepping into eternity with the mansions that God has prepared for us? And not that we do it for the mansions. He's just such a good, abundant, overflowing Father that He'll just give it to us anyway. But who wants to be found hearing the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your Father's rest. Momentary are these light afflictions. And so this morning, as we wrap up, Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.